This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. We're looking forward to getting Rory out for his first winter adventures. We're super excited that we recently got Ella's wool to keep him warm this winter. The merino wool is super warm, moisture wicking, and I feel really confident that he's going to be super warm and dry this winter on all of our adventures. If you want to try out Ella's wool, you can use the code HIKINGTHROUGHLIFE2020 to get 10% off your order. That's HIKINGTHROUGHLIFE2020. You can go over to ellaswool.com to look for their super cute outfits. They have onesies, they have tubes, they have hats, they have all the wool products you need to keep your baby warm. Check them out. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast, where we talk with people who in some way, shape, or form have been influenced by the outdoors. I'm Andy, the producer of this podcast, and my lovely wife, Sarah, will be your host. Together, we make up Hiking Through Life. This podcast is all about bringing all kinds of people who are inspired by the outdoors and sharing their stories. We hope that by sharing people's stories, it inspires others to get out and live a more meaningful life. Tune in every week for new episodes, or better yet, subscribe to the Hiking Through Life podcast on your favorite podcast provider. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others. Also, if you have a story to share or know of anyone who might be interested in being a guest on this podcast, head on over to hikingthroughlife.net slash podcast and get in touch with us. If you'd like to support Hiking Through Life, you can go to hikingthroughlife.net slash shop. We have t-shirts, water bottles, and we recently added stickers to the shop. Use the code podcast at checkout and receive 10% off your first order. There are other ways you can support this podcast as well. You can check those out at hikingthroughlife.net slash support. Also, be sure to sign up for our email list. You can do that by heading over to hikingthroughlife.net. Enter your email address and click subscribe. There's no commitment. You can unsubscribe at any time. As part of our email list, you'll receive our monthly newsletter. We'll also be sending out any promotional codes for Hiking Through Life gear. It's an excellent way to follow Hiking Through Life's journey. Now sit back and enjoy this week's episode. In this episode, Sarah had the pleasure of interviewing Eli and Kelly Pike, filmmakers of the Far Green Country. Sarah talked with them about a month ago, and since that conversation, their new film, The Far Green Country 2, At Road's End, has been released. You'll hear them talking throughout the interview about the anticipated release date, but it is out now, so you can go find it at Amazon Prime. As of the release of this podcast, it is free for all Amazon Prime users to watch. So if you are not subscribed to Amazon Prime, you can sign up right now. If you go to the link in the description of this podcast episode, we have a free 30-day trial. You can click that link, start your free Amazon Prime 30-day trial and you can go watch The Far Green Country 2 at Road's End. You can also find more information about the video at thefargreencountry.com. Now here's Sarah's interview with Eli and Kelly Pike. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Today we are joined by Kelly and Eli Pike. It's no doubt that parenthood and marriage have challenges. After struggling through some tough years, the family knew they needed something to recenter themselves. 
After leaving their home in 2015 and living in an RV with their toddler for a year, they found happiness. A documentary called Far Green Country was created by themselves to capture their journey. We are here today to hear their journey and see how the family has grown and see what the next steps are in filmmaking. Welcome to the podcast, Pike family. Hey, thanks Thank so much. It's great to be here with you. <laughs> yes. So tell us about your backgrounds back when you like lived in the house and what kind of led you to doing this whole journey and adventure. Yeah, well, we uh, we got pregnant and we'd been married, gosh, how many years? Twelve, five years. Five years, yeah. Um, and we were pregnant and we're hoping for a, you know, healthy, natural childbirth with our first child. And it ended up being kind of everything that we were hoping it wouldn't be, basically. And it was a... Uh, 56 hours of um, trying to get Dakota into the world and we were left with emotional and physical and just spiritual um, just wounds and I had uh, PTSD fairly uh, severely after um, he was born and had night terrors and just was my brain was dealing with trauma of the birth and got into some postpartum depression. And in the midst of that, Eli was traveling quite a bit for work. And I was at home uh, kind of suffering through this isolated introduction to motherhood um, alone. And I'm a pretty extroverted person. So it was, a, it was a pretty challenging time for us. And then after months of that, um, just our marriage was taking a pretty big hit in terms of disconnection and conflict and stress uh, under the exhaustion of being new parents. And um, we realized, man, if we don't make an intentional decision to change our life, we're going to uh, wake up five years down the road and it's not going to be uh, a healthy situation. And so we... We thought about how we fell in love and what we love to do together and it's adventure and travel and road trip and be free and um, outside and in wild places and we definitely weren't ever RVers, we're more the backpacking, camping type of people in a tent, but uh, we had this, at that point, almost two-year-old in tow and we were thinking maybe the RV would be the answer to the, you know, the need for some of those comforts of home and having all the stuff you need to have with small children, but also be able to get us out into the wilderness. So we bought the Bounder and we headed out for a year and was it was a kind of a it was a desperate thing for us. That's that's kind of what fueled it. Well, yeah, I mean, getting rid of everything you've ever known and hopping into an RV is a huge journey or a huge step, especially when you have a toddler. Um, and after you said a 56 hour pregnancy, holy moly. And just like, or a 56 hour labor, not pregnancy. <laughs> pregnancy is nine months. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like that just all sounds like a lot to go through. And I remember watching your documentary in April when I was pregnant and I just remember having all these 
fears of, oh my gosh, when we have this kid, my life is over. What's going to happen? Our adventure life is going to be done. We're not going to be able to camp. We're not going to be able to hike because that's everything my husband and I love to do too. Mm, So watching your documentary was just like so moving and heartwarming for me to see that like you guys who reach like the lowest of the low can come back and gain so much happiness yes, and yes. oh it was just so motivational when i was pregnant <laughs> i'm so Yay. glad I, we just we love to know that our, our our work has motivated inspired you and many others too it's just it, it feels great um that our pain that we were going through um can actually be turned around and and provide inspiration to others yeah, absolutely. And so what was it like to like get rid of all of your stuff in your house? Was that hard at all? Or were you just kind of at the point where you were so desperate you were willing to part with it all? Yeah, I'd say that um, for me, there definitely was a bit of nostalgia in leaving the 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 habits and rituals that I'd sort of built um and the my office and um the trail that i that we had out back to mountain bike and run on um there was there was some nostalgias there but it really was like kelly said uh an act of desperation and i think to add to what kelly was describing in the beginning uh our living situation before we went on this trip we had a a nice three-bedroom, two-bath home in a really, you know, kind of beautiful little neighborhood. And we had our two cars, our Subaru and our Tacoma, you know, I mean, our outdoor vehicles. And, um, but it, it wasn't those things that was bringing us happiness. You know, I, I mean, those things weren't bringing us the happiness that, that, we, that we wanted as a couple. And one of the big disconnects is that I was traveling a lot for work. So I'd fly to uh, Boston or LA or Seattle or Colorado for a video shoot and, um, you know, be gone for four to 10, 14 days. One time I was in, in India for two weeks and Kelly's sitting at home with, with our amazing son, but by herself with it, with a baby and, you know, not, not with me, you know? So, and then I, when I go on my trips I, and my shoots, I just get so focused on what I'm doing that I'm, you know, it's not like I'm calling in multiple times a day. Uh, so we, we were getting very disconnected in that sense. So it was kind of like a brainstorming session on how can we still earn a living and yet not be apart so much and sort of sort of share the adventures that I'm going on together. Uh, I think there was probably some, you know, some little bit of uh, envy or jealousy back in those days, you know, because you know, here I am traveling in India making films and Kelly's at home being left behind. And, you know, prior to kids, Kelly and I would travel to Africa. We went to Africa, Peru, um, Australia, and we're, you know, doing stuff together. And when you guys were doing that together, were you still doing your filmmaking jobs and Kelly would come along on them? Well, it's well. It was it was different every time. Well, the Africa stuff. Kelly was actually directing a child sponsorship program in Uganda, and then hired me to make some videos for the program. So we went over there together. Um, that's one example. So 
A lot of personal adventure Simply travel. So, yeah. I mean, the Australia, New Zealand, Peru, those were, we would try to every two years do something international together to connect and just have adventures. So, uh, but the, yeah, the Africa trips were my job based. So, yeah, I guess what I'm getting at is we were brainstorming on how can we stick together as a family. And, um, and it was just the motorhome kept coming up. We, like Kelly said, we weren't motorhome people. Neither of our families have grown up with motorhomes. Both Kelly and I, when we go recreate, you know, it's like back backpacking into the wilderness, small lake, small tent. Um, and so it, it felt kind of strange really to like be doing a motorhome. But then as we, you know, started thinking more about it and as we got into it, just the ability, um, like Kelly said, with a child, you know, and being able to bring the diapers and having the shower and a kitchen to warm up food and stuff like that um, allowed us to camp under the stars in remote places and do hikes early in the morning, you know, because we were camping at the trailhead. And that that was um, that was pretty cool how it allowed us to have that lifestyle. Totally. Yeah. When you have all those conveniences of home right there in your own vehicle, it makes it so much easier. And like you said, with like the diapers and everything, I mean, we haven't totally adventured into backcountry camping yet because it's cold here in Minnesota with our baby and he's only a month. But yeah, there's a whole lot of things to think about when you're doing that. I um, I'm, I'm remembering... When Dakota was like maybe eight months or something, I think probably eight months old, um, we took him on a little backpacking trip. I mean, it was like backpacking, you know, 300 feet away from our car to, to a walking campsite, basically. But we did it. We, you know, we carried in our tent and our bags, um, food and, you know, all this stuff we would take backpacking and we're, you know, putting him to sleep. We get him to sleep and then he's up five times in the middle of the night crying for whatever nursing or he's cold or whatever <laughs> you know and the the cry of a baby is is echoing out across this beautiful serene lake and we know there's other <laughs> other campers too around and we're just it's just like this if we can do this but it just is not working like you know we need some walls separation you know so that we're not those people you know and you know we tried to do the backpacking thing um with the kids but man it uh it definitely is much easier with uh, much more practical, I'll say, with the motorhome. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so when you guys started this, your child was eight months, you said? Like, is that when you went into the RV or was he more of a toddler? No, that, that was our first backpacking trip. He was two, two, two and, and a half. half. Okay. And so was your plan to get in the RV and just like live in it for... For as long as it took to find happiness or did you have a timeline at first uh, i don't think we had a timeline we i think we had rented our house out for a year so that was kind of our initial um time frame and then we had a few jobs so that kind of allowed us to plan our routes but we knew that we wanted to focus our kind of home away from home in the national parks because we just have always loved the national parks and the beauty and just the unplugging from everything and so um yeah so we kind of just based our plan around going from national park to national park as we journeyed from place to place where we had some work so that we could continue to you know financially 
pay for gas and food and stuff. So, but I don't think we had like an end date that we were going to end it. No. Um, we, and we really didn't. All of our plan was when we left our house was we knew we had to be in Colorado from Oregon in like two or three months. Few months. And that was for a job? That yeah. was for a job that I had that I was previously going to fly to and leave Kelly for two weeks alone with the kids. Um, so that was kind of the that was the, the, the impetus of like, OK, we, we know we have this shoot coming up in three months. How are we going to, you know. We, we if we buy a motorhome now, we could start this thing and it might crash and burn. And, you know, we might be canceling after after a few months. But, um, yeah, we just we just kind of set out thinking we'll just do this until we decide not to do it anymore. Almost. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was going to be for like a month or two in the beginning, you know, thinking this might not work. And then by toward the end, I was I was actually surprised that we were that we were coming off the road. Um, but it made sense uh, under the circumstances. Right. Because if I'm remembering correctly, the whole the first documentary, I know you guys have another one coming out. But the first one, mm-hmm. um, that whole documentary, you only had your son at that point. Yes. And right. it was the end of the documentary where you learned you were pregnant with your second one. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we we got pregnant in we left, I think, in May on that one. And we and that's of 2015. This was 15. 15. Yep. And then we got pregnant in like right around Christmas. We found out in January of 16. And then I was pregnant the first trimester plus a little bit until May again. Right. Was it May? Yeah. So yeah. it was, I was getting, I was getting, you know, bigger and more uncomfortable sleeping on the fold out couch. And, um, but we spent the first probably five, five to six months of the pregnancy on the road. So, and then we realized we just needed to come off the road to get, you know, um, care, medical care, and just prepare to have our, our little girl. So that's when we moved back into our house and sold the bounder and that was the end of the movie okay so that was the end of that documentary so was was it your intent to create a documentary about this rv journey or did that happen after the whole fact it happened afterwards so when we left in the motorhome it really was like let's just try to keep this train going you know i think there were moments throughout the journey where uh, we did I, I, we did interview a, a handful of three or so travelers that we met who were just really inspiring. And we thought, man, we're out here. We're meeting these cool people. Um, I got to just like get a little interview with them. I don't know, you know, where we'd use it or how it will, you know, if anyone will ever see it. But it's like we're only doing this once. We got to film some of it. And um, and I had sort of turned to uh, doing some video journaling um, instead of, you know, writing in my journal is just seemed to flow a little bit better. So I, I did like two or three sessions where I'd sit down with my camera and just kind of like free form talk about what we're doing and how it's going and stuff. Uh, not, not necessarily to make a documentary out of when we finished the trip and really it was six, six to 12 months after we got off the road. Um, it just felt like, wow, what we did was epic. Like we got to 
do something with this. And so we started, you know, editing it into a rough cut, showed it to some friends thinking, oh, they'll probably just think, say like, oh, cool home movie, you know, but we got such incredible feedback that it was enough sort of uh, momentum to to carry through with it and finish it off as a as a film. And so was it like self it's a self done documentary, right? Like there's no like big, what am I looking for? Like there's no like big names behind it. It's all just you guys doing it. It's just us. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I do, I do video and film production for a living. I do this kind of stuff for other people, you know? Um, And, uh, and it's, it's amazing to like be able to do it for our family and, and sort of have the, you know, the platform to speak and share our lives. Um, But yeah, there's no, no studios or anything like that behind it. And what year did that documentary actually end up being finished and going out for viewing? It was a year and a half ago that we released it. So that would have been 2018. <clears throat> Spring of 2018, it launched on online VOD platforms. Um, fall of 2017, it was in film festivals. Um, so we finished the film editing it uh in spring of 2017 awesome well yeah i mean i was so moved by it so i hope a lot of other people were too i hope you guys got amazing feedback about it and i'm sure you did because you went on to make another one so you guys moved back into your house and like during that whole time you were working on the far green country documentary and then at what point did you decide to go into your RV full-time because you are in your RV full-time now, right? Yes, we are. We are. Yeah. We sold our house actually last year and we are full-time and full-time and we've got our two kiddos, our dog and our cat in here. (laughs) We are on the road. So yeah. And this is, so I'm trying to think of, I think we, I think we kind of just fell in love with the, the lifestyle of being, unplugged from the madness of the pace of our culture and unplugged from technology more and being in wild places and beautiful places and we realized how powerful it is to live just a different lifestyle you know and it's it's it lined up with our values and and just kind of our priorities and i think after being at our home isabel was how old? I mean, we bought another motorhome. I think we've had five motorhomes now. Like we bought and sold, bought and sold, um, tried out different kinds, class A's, class C's. We did one travel trailer. Didn't like that because with the babies, it was so hard to like change diapers and get snacks and stuff when we were all packed in the truck. But uh, I think we just realized we love the freedom and the simplicity of life on the road and we want to keep doing it and then after a few more years of kind of month-long road trips here and there we sold the house and now we're we're full-time in and it's it's just awesome yeah there's there's a um let's go back though to a year and a half ago my dad passed away from cancer uh, he got um, pancreatic cancer um and so he 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 went fairly quickly after the diagnosis. It was about six months there that we had to sort of spend time with him and and say our goodbyes. Um, 
And after he passed away, I really like wanted to sort of continue connecting with him somehow. And um, also just like be intentional about creating some space to grieve. I didn't really know what that would look like because I've never actually grieved uh, a death before like this. It was so close to me. Um, so kind of came up with this idea of like wanting to make a, another documentary and having it do, be on grief. And uh, a lot of the places that I was envisioning these memories, early memories with my dad were on the East Coast, um, Cleveland and uh, Great Smoky Mountains and uh, over on in the Atlantic Coast on, in South Carolina, I had these vivid memories. And I really wanted to go back and visit uh, these places and just kind of see what came up. Um, so that, that was the start of the concept of the, of the sequel. And we, you know, I put together, I pitched uh, some ideas to some companies just to see if we could get some, you know, a little bit more support this time, you know, with, the, with our production. I mean, we were just totally blessed. Winnebago jumped in and said, we, we want to help you out. You know, we want to do this thing. So they, they hooked us up with a brand new Class A motorhome for a year. And we sort of traded some marketing for, the, you know, for the use of the motorhome. And we uh, filmed it in various places. And they, um, you know, they used that in their marketing. And then we used the footage in our film because we were filming ourselves in the, driving the motorhome anyway. So it really worked out well. And that set us up on documentary number two, the sequel, which we filmed uh, last year, basically, filmed that, gave the motorhome back to Winnebago in June of this year, sold our house and got another used Class C Winnebago. And now we're making documentary number three. Oh, you're on to number three now. <laughs> Wait, we're, so is number... Shooting. Shooting number okay, three. Okay, because number three. two is coming out really soon, correct? Yes. Correct. Hopefully Thanksgiving. We're crossing our fingers. It's it's in L.A. We're waiting to get into the lineup onto Amazon Prime. So any day, hopefully, we'll find out when it's going to go up. But it should be soon. That's so awesome. And you guys, like, had other people behind you with this one, too. So a little bit. Yeah, there's I mean, going to be even more audience. We, yeah, hope, we so. hope so. Yeah, yeah. it's a. Uh, I yep. think the the subject matter is really. I think it's going to be really uh, powerful, especially in light of the year that we've all had here in 2020 and COVID, and just the you know grief doesn't just have to be you've lost a parent or you know, uh, goodness forbid a child or you know it's it's we all are living a grief story in some way and the fact that COVID has really changed life as we knew it and community as we knew it and just interacting with other humans without masks. I mean, we're, we're all grieving something. We're all on a grief journey. And I think uh, we are hoping that this film gets out there and encourages people to kind of press into just the disappointments and the the depression and to realize they're not alone and there's hope and that um, it's really powerful to be able to name that and talk about it. And so we're hoping that through our kind of vulnerability, we're going to allow people to kind of enter into that journey on their own. So. Mm-hmm. 
I love that. And like you said, a time like this year, there's no better time for something like that to be coming out. And when you talk about grief, I mean, are your kids highly involved in the grieving process of your father in this documentary? I wouldn't say highly involved, but there are some really sweet inclusions of Dakota mainly, um, uh, you know, as he's able to communicate just a bit of what he's what he's going through. Um, so def- they're definitely involved. Yeah, there are seven. So Dakota's eight now, but he was seven and Isabel was three in this. So um but yeah, Dakota's, he's in it. We do a little interview of him and he's talking some and sharing some. It's really, really sweet. And also, if I'm remembering remembering correctly, in the first documentary, didn't you go back and visit your parents often with Dakota? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, that was my parents. So we're, we went to the Prairie Nest, which is the place that's actually where we're at right now. Uh, so Dakota's in heaven right now. But yeah, we... That was my folks, but Eli's parents also lived in the same town. So we would see the grandparents uh, pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. And I think specifically with Steve, Eli's dad, I mean, he was he was so faithful the first couple of years of Dakota's life when we were here before we went on the road. He came over every week to play and wrestle and just he was a faithful, faithful grandfather for Dakota and a really sweet friend for me during that time when Eli was gone a lot Steve would come over and we got to be fairly close so yeah we've all we've all been processing the grief and the loss and remembering Steve and you know stories and the sweet times we had and celebrating his life and so the viewer will learn a lot more about him too because it's kind of sharing some about his life as we share about, you know, his death. Yeah. I love how positive you guys are. And just like you guys talk about this with such a big smile on your face. I mean, grief is a really hard thing for anybody to go through, but the light you're shining on it and just sharing your story about it, I think is going to help empower a lot of others to see there is that light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. I hope so. Yeah. I think that, you know, we have such as uh, just as humanity, we have such reason to come together and connect around the subject of death because it's it's universal. It's universal. Like it's something we all share, like that we are inevitably every day moving closer and closer toward death. And yet we try to run from it or, or ignore it or, you know, just sort of pretend that it's not going to happen. Or just make the best of every day and we'll die when we die. But I think by actually just engaging that, um, we, we, there's a lot of, we, we all have a lot of commonality. And then uh, there's also uh, a man in the film, Billy Price, um, that we interview. Uh, he's, a, he's a friend of ours, a good friend of Kelly's from high school. But his grief story is, has nothing to do with death. It has to do with his his uh, injury that he sustained uh, just going into college, which left him in a wheelchair. And he, he really had to grieve that he'll never walk again. And so it's a unique angle on what grief is and what he did with it. Because um, 
He's you know, changing the world now. Yeah, he He's really is changing doing the some world. Awesome. Yeah. So we interview probably six or seven, I think, really neat. They actually are all men, but um, just sharing about different individuals' grief journeys and what that's looked like, and it's it's a, it's pretty powerful. Yeah, we're excited for folks to watch it and hopefully be moved by it. That's really cool. And are all the people that you interview, do you have personal connections to all of them? Yes. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Some are friends, some are folks we met on the road, um, traveler, fellow travelers. So it was kind of a compilation of different folks who um, are kind of were going through their own grief journeys. So. And this, this film is, um, if the first film was a little bit more of Kelly's story, this film's a little bit more of my story. Um, and uh, so I, I would I mean, I'd literally just sit down with these these other guys and um, first well, first we'd ask them, hey, do you, are you interested in being on our documentary talking about grief and sharing your grief story? And so then I would just sit down with them and set up the cameras, press record and then have an hour or two long conversation and use that as, you know, as the content that we brought in. So it really was part of my healing journey as well as making a film. Um, so it was, it was cool to, it was a really good part of that journey to set up these intentional conversations. And you said you like went to the places that were so memorable with your father. So like those places are all tied into the documentary as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This one, our, our first one, as you may remember, we kind of stuck to the West coast. It was like from Jasper Banff all the way down to like Joshua tree. So this one, we actually head from the West coast all the way to up to Vermont. And then we swing South along the East coast and, and this one in South Carolina. And then our third documentary will pick up there and we go through Florida and over through the south like through Texas and all that so we're kind of making a loop but this is it's some it's some neat country because we being from the west we haven't encountered you know the Smokies and the northeast and some really neat like midwest Amish country and there's some really beautiful just different environments we however didn't get to Minnesota which is one Mm. of our needed stops yeah there is gonna do that lots of um amish communities surrounded throughout minnesota so cool oh, huh. yeah yeah minnesota is amazing we i've been there but yeah we had, plans, yeah it but... is the north north of your state oh my gosh it is just glorious yeah but yeah out in vermont and stuff that area is beautiful too yes we were out there last summer for like um a month out in that area we took like a two-month road trip spent a lot of time out east in vermont and maine so beautiful Mm. yes we visited uh like a maple syrup um sugar house is what they call them you know where they make the maple syrup and we visited an apple orchard farm that made apple cider and both of those are in the film because my dad was i remember making apple cider with him uh, he like d- drowned his pancakes and maple syrup in the mornings, like you know. So just these, you know, there's a lot of, along the way. There's a lot of these sort of tiebacks to, you know, significant memories of my dad. Um, that was part of just the whole grief process of you know reconnecting with him and thinking about him. 
Right. Like bringing those, just all of those memories and just really bringing them to life. I I'm super yes. excited to watch it. I hope it comes out around Thanksgiving. Yes. <laughs> so we do too. <laughs> we'll, let you, we'll try to let you yeah, know. Yeah. We'll when, definitely uh, let you know. We get so. the date. Yeah. Yeah. And like Thanksgiving seems like the perfect time too, just to really reflect on what we really can be thankful for this year. Yes. 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 It's true. And to not take take for granted the the last moments that we have with people. I mean, you know, especially like with, you know, in our in our generation, you know, our parents are getting to that age where we're going to be saying goodbye to them if we haven't already. And um, how do we do that? Well, how do we cherish those remaining days and not just get caught up in the petty stuff that, you know, can be conflictive or. And for them, you know, for people who are older, how do I leave well? You know, like, I am going to be leaving this earth. How do I leave well? You know, I think these are questions that will all do us good to consider, Um, especially around holiday times when we're we're looking at spending time with family. And we all, all families have their issues. Absolutely. And hopefully people can spend time with some families this year. I know. know. So what are you guys? Are you guys going to be with family for the holidays? Yeah, we well, Oregon's Uh, a little bit on lockdown now. But um, so we're not we're not seeing like a big posse of family, but we are seeing some family in distanced or outdoor formats and yeah so it's gonna be it's gonna look different but we're gonna we're gonna try to see whomever we can and enjoy every moment yeah and luckily you can do it outside you said I mean here in Minnesota it's a little too cold to do that now (laughs) (laughs) totally yeah so what's it like to be full-time in an RV with your kids have you been homeschooling them Kelly yeah, yeah. So Dakota's in second grade now, and Isabel's four, so she's in, I guess, pre-K. Um, but we homeschool, we road school, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. There's that's kind of what our third documentary is about. It's going to be based on education, and kind of we've seen so many folks that are they do the unschool thing, or the five-hour school week, or the homeschool, or the road school, and there's just there's a lot of different perspectives out there on education and you know we just by nature of the lifestyle we live you know the kids are learning and seeing so much and meeting so many neat interesting people and I mean life lessons come very often out here but I am I am also doing an intentional homeschooling program through a an Oregon-based kind of um web academy kind of thing and we only do it's it's not online I only do some math online but yeah we've got our books our curriculum and you know we try to stick to somewhat of a schedule we found that Dakota specifically is kind of likes a routine and we live in a very routineless lifestyle so we try to give some structure you also like that so yeah there's some of us in the family that really like the structure and some of us that don't need it as much but we try to do you know do a few days a week of intentional schooling uh, as well as just all the all the life lessons that come throughout the day and the week Right. And like going back to COVID again, I think with COVID, so many families are looking at like schooling or on schooling or homeschooling and outdoor schools and all of that kind of stuff. 
So uh, that documentary is going to be so significant for so many families. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we've gotten to interview some really fascinating uh, folks for that one, too. Some, you know, unschooling mom who very is passionate about the unschooling thing. And then a very, I'd say, dignified uh, private school school principal who is just awesome and yeah yeah, we've got some really neat perspectives uh coming out in that documentary as well so yeah it's with COVID it it is so true I mean we have like our nephew and niece here in Oregon I mean they've been they've been doing homeschool I mean online school but it's homeschool they're at home all day and they're sitting staring at a screen attending their classes and it's like if that's where education is going even even for the for the short term if not God forbid for the long term, um, why not be out and about like seeing historical sites and national parks and, you know, visiting different cultures. One of our favorite uh, things uh, from our our trip last year, which will be in this education documentary, number three, which will come out in 2021, um, is visiting Louisiana and the Cajun culture and learning the Cajun history and eating the Cajun food. And, you know, for us, you know, West Coasters, we're pretty far from, we're pretty removed from that culture. And the kids got to experience that, you know, and um, yeah, we're, we're really, we're really passionate about continuing to educate our kids, especially right now in the midst of real upheavals in education. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for that documentary too. You guys are doing awesome (laughs) things. (laughs) Thank you. So cool. Yeah, that's so true. We are like very removed from just like other cultures and things going on within our own country. We get so wrapped up in our own world and our own heads in our day-to-day life that we kind of forget there's another world out there. I forget there's another world out there when I'm stuck in my house all the time with a new baby. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah, we were we were blown away at the southeast. We just we were amazed. I mean, we felt like we were in multiple different countries. The Acadian, yeah, the Acadian just influence and language and I mean, it was it was phenomenal. It was really really wonderful to be able to engage in that for a few days and enjoy that that cultural just stepping into that cultural difference so it was awesome all the histories from, oh yeah from you know saint augustine charleston savannah um civil war, civil, history. You know, civil war history oh my gosh early settlement history yeah. uh slave history i mean to be able to like take take our kids to those sites um and teach them about those things you know hands-on hands-on in the location that they were happening hundreds of years ago um just gives them a little bit better better opportunity to grasp what we're talking about it's not just in a book right it totally does and that's going to stick with them for so so much longer than sitting in a classroom so many benefits to it so do you guys just kind of like pick where you go based on your work still is that kind of the long-term plan yeah work and weather i would say are the two because now we're we were just in colorado and we got the first you know winter blast and we had some frozen pipe issues and stuff and then we're yeah we're kind of here for a little family thanksgiving and then we're gonna head south brought us brought us to oregon we we were in colorado and we got a job in in oregon so 
it was like, hey, that that's going to work out. We can see family at Thanksgiving, but like that's a job. So we'll travel halfway across the country for it. Yeah, just the fact that RVs and winter weather don't mix super well. So we, and as you knew from the Bounder movie, we got stuck here previously in negative 10 and 20 degree weather. So we are, we're watching the weather every day and hoping to be here through Thanksgiving. And then we're going to turn our motorhome south and we're going to spend the rest of the winter in the south going across. We're going to head down south uh, into California and then go across into Florida eventually. Yeah. Heading south sounds like a good idea for RV living. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you guys said you both your parents were from Oregon. So did you meet based on your families? Uh, my parents actually were from Seattle, the Seattle area. And my parents, after they retired, they moved down here to get out of the rain. And this is where Eli's family has lived. So we... I didn't grow up in this area. So no, our parents didn't introduce us. We were introduced by a mutual friend actually. So yeah, but now our parents, our parents became friends and they got to be close and sort of neighbors too. They don't live too far from each other. So that's so cool. Yeah. If you're ever through sisters, Oregon, go to sisters coffee company. That's the, uh, that's where we met. It's where we met. Yep. (laughs) At a coffee company. Oh, awesome. Treated her to coffee? She treated me. I she actually was, worked. She was my barista. I was working there. So, <laughs> yes. And his best friend's family had owned the coffee shop. So I didn't know that I was working with his best friend and his wife. And yep. then they wanted to introduce us. So, yeah. That's how it all began. It is. The coffee. Eli kept frequenting the coffee shop a lot more than normal, I think. So, yeah. <laughs> I actually lived in another town, so I'd drive to Sisters to get my coffee um, because I knew who was serving it. (laughs) Well, all those miles to get the coffee clearly paid out. (laughs) Yeah, and a lot of hard work and a lot of endurance. and lots of hard work. And, um, you know, it's marriage is not easy for for anyone, um, and we've struggled through a lot. And we continue to struggle through. I mean, we have a we have a session with our marriage counselor tomorrow, and we're still we're still in it. I mean, we're well. A couple of sessions ago, we said, you know, we're doing so good. We don't have anything to talk about. And it was like the first time we'd ever said that in so years. It felt great, awesome. but then, sure enough, the next the next session came around, and we're we're you know <laughs> had some things to talk about. Yeah, yeah, we're we're still consistently doing marriage counseling and. Uh, it's it's super helpful and it's been a huge rescue for us just to invest. I mean, it's time, it's money, it's effort and energy and pain looking at our pasts and our wounds and our families of origin and how, you know, we each think that the way we grew up was the way that, you know, people are supposed to live. And those things clash when you get married and then you bring kids into it and parenting differences and there's just so much to have to face and work through and yeah, lots of forgiveness, lots of healing. So it's, it's a daily journey to choose to love and it's uh, it's definitely a choice. So what do you think, like, what would you guys say is your biggest marriage advice you'd give people? Mm. Oh, uh, a couple mm. of the ones just off 
you know, is uh, keeping short accounts. I mean, it's, you know, we are we are not perfect people and nobody is. And there are so many little things that just different temperaments, different communication styles and styles are relating. And it's so easy to hurt each other without even knowing it or miscommunicate without trying. And if you hold grudges and those things start to boil, you know, inside, it's just going to lead to bitterness, resentment, and that's, it's just going to be really toxic. So I think, you know, quickly apologizing, asking for forgiveness and, you know, learning from those mistakes and, um, trusting the other person's heart is huge. Cause I think for us, um, I'm an extrovert. Eli's an introvert. I'm a two and he's a five and he's in his head and I'm, you know, all about people around me and making sure. So we're, we just, we live very differently and our priorities are different and it's easy to hurt one another and miss one another. And I think just the little, gratitudes and thank yous and appreciation and and actually looking into each other's eyes and you know being intentional about grateful being grateful um i don't know those are all key things what do you think those are all those are all very very good uh, applicable um i'm gonna go with the ring is the reminder that i've made a commitment for my whole life and I think that perseverance um, is maybe one of the biggest um, key things to stick with throughout marriage. Um, and I say that because there's a lot of thing, things we've learned and we're growing. And um, but without that perseverance to to like just survive even through some of the worst times, we wouldn't be here to be continuing to learn how to love. And um, I think that just, you know, when we get married, we commit and we commit for a reason. And it's not just just to say nice words. It's because marriage marriage is is really, really hard (laughs) and we need to commit in order to succeed. That was super powerful and super beautiful. I think you guys have a like marriage counselor career in your future. (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that's awesome yes yeah it's so true marriage is hard I've only I mean we've only been married for three years but yeah you learn things every single day and like you said when you bring kids into the mix that's like a whole other thing that you navigate and I mean as you see right now ours is only a month old but we have a whole journey ahead of us of learning and parenting and what's your biggest parenting tip (laughs) oh man I think patience is huge you know I mean it's so easy for us as parents to expect our kids to be living our pace on our you know agenda um and just to play and slow down and be patient and be intentional it's just huge, you know. Um, Similarly, I would say practice getting on their level often. And it's something I, you know, have to tell myself and remind myself a lot. But, you know, one way I do that is wrestling with them. You know, it's getting down on the floor, letting them crawl all over me. It's getting down on the floor with their Legos and Playmobil and 
pretending to talk in silly voices and be characters that I'm not because that's their world. And then even today, homeschooling Dakota with some math, it was like I was like banging my head against the wall um, until I somehow came up with the idea to pretend I was Prince John and the Robin Hood cartoon and counting my gold coins and bags of gold and Robin Hood was stealing them. And <laughs> Dakota finally got it. He finally listened Clicked. and paid attention. And um, and it really was coming down to his into his world. And there's there's a dignity in that. There's I think it, it gives Dakota or gives our ch- children dignity to know that we are willing to enter into their worlds instead of you know, teaching them how to be in our world and requesting them to run at our pace, like Kelly said. And, um, you know, I just the my my daughter's words ring in my ear, you know, you know, don't leave me or you're going too fast. Like when we're on a hike, wait for me, wait for me. you know, because we're walking and we want to go somewhere and we don't just want to dig in the dirt, and dig the in dirt. The dirt. <laughs> but but that means that for them, they're going at 100% full pace without stopping, trying to keep up with us. And it's a it's, terrible way it's to live. Really rude. I mean, we're being really rude to our kids when we do that. And um, so, in that same sense, like, come down to their level, slow down, look at the little leaves, play in the dirt. It's not about getting to the end of the trail, it's just about being together. Totally. Yeah. Like, we need to see life from their perspective too just as much as they have to learn from our perspective we probably have a lot more to learn from their perspective Mm -hmm. yes and part of that is actually physically getting down low because seeing the world from two or three feet high is very different than seeing Mm. it from five or six feet high yeah totally absolutely um i love hearing you guys say this because i'm a preschool teacher so hearing what you guys have to say is yeah it's all so so beneficial and so so needed for children and development and relationship building what's your biggest piece of advice as a preschool teacher tell us teach us what you know uh i mean you guys said a lot of amazing things but let them play like follow their lead I think kids have so many great ideas and I think a lot of the time adults just stop those ideas. So just letting them lead in, in the play and just see where they take it. Cause a lot of the time learning is so prescribed. And when you take that prescribed lesson away from kids, the possibilities can be really endless. So true. And we're creative. Yes. Way, we're going to have way more creative humans in our future if we do that. Mm-hmm. True. So I'm all about the homeschooling, the onschooling stuff. I think it's super, super awesome. And I love learning about it and reading about it and mm-hmm. watching your documentary when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's awesome. Is there anything else we should add about the documentary that we missed? I mean, we talked about a lot. I know. Um, well, the first documentary or the second or the third. <laughs> we're, I know. Right now we're, we're really, you know, you know, talking about the, the, our sequel, which is the Far Green Country 2 at Road's End. Um, and people can search it by just searching the Far Green Country. 
Um, one little note is in your intro, you said um, far green country, and it is the far green country. So, if, you know, if anyone's searching, it does start with a the. It's a very technical thing to mention. Mm. Um, and then I was also thinking, you know, your, your podcast is titled Hiking Through Life. And we've talked a little bit about hiking, but I almost want to ask ourselves a question about hiking. Oh, okay. Go for <laughs> it. Yeah. What does hiking mean to you guys? Like, do you go out on hikes a lot with your kids? We hike every day, I would say. Yes. Uh, it is one of the things that I think we've been able to continue to do no matter how small or large our children have gotten and we have a dog that loves to hike we now have a hiking cat that wears a harness and a leash and no she goes way. hiking with us so we are and she's off leash when, yeah, when allowed she hikes she loves to she, hike so we are a major hiking family yes and we've done miles and miles of hikes all over the world really and mm -hmm. um i think I still believe that the best times Eli and I have connecting, like communication wise, are when we are on the trail by far. We go backpacking and or hiking and we talk and talk and talk. And it's just it's that space and time and peace. And while we're having movement in our bodies that we can just be together and open and enjoy each other. And it is we love hiking and backpacking. We just love it. So that's cool that you're, that's the name of your podcast. Yeah, I like it. That's hiking great. Through life. Yeah. And that's like so much about like what we love about it too. You're taken away from all the distractions. So our thing is like when we're out hiking, we're just like reflecting on all of life and we don't have all of life's distractions by us. And that's like kind of where the name came from so cool yeah it's awesome just uh last week we were hiking from delicate arch back to the parking lot in arches national park it's about a mile and a half hike and um we were i was carrying our daughter isabel and we she and i were just having a little discussion about how how amazing it is that we can walk so far because we saw our motorhome off in the distance it was about a mile away we could see it out the the, the valley floor and it really is just incredible how far how how far we can how much distance we can travel on our own two feet. Uh, I also, as a, a young dad, got lots of time hiking with our kids as when they were like babies, you know. In and, the, in and the, most, pa the front pouch the front or the baby pouch, backpack, you know. Or with yes. Isabel, I'd I just you know w we were living uh, we did like three months in a Arpod trailer. Um, one year when she was really young and in order to help Kelly sleep, I'd get up at 4.30 a.m. or 5 a.m. with Isabel when she'd wake up. I'd as quickly as I could, you know, so she wasn't crying in the tiny trailer very long, you know, throw her in my arms, put a draper, a blanket over her and then go out with my Crocs on, you know, Croc shoes and and shuffle through the woods. Uh, we covered you know, ten, tens of hundreds of miles, you know, um, in beautiful places. I remember one time in Black Canyon of the Gunnison National Park going on like a three or four hour hike with her starting at about 4.30 a.m. Um, just holding her in my arms. She slept almost the whole time. Um, 
And she had no idea we were going down to the bottom of the canyon and back up. And you just carried <laughs> her in your arms, not even in a pack? Yeah, just, just in my front arm. Um, and then the way I, it was like a fleece blanket and I'd sort of tuck it underneath, wrap it, like a little wrap it around my head and then like stuff it back in and... You so know, kind of like a like sling or whatever. So it yeah, is like, a like sling. the Africa. I don't know if you've been to Africa, but you know, the women just wrap their babies. Yeah. Like, the slings. In these, these, yeah. Yep. And they just have them on. Yep. It's awesome. She'd be right, right next to my, you know, my, my, Abdomen. my chest. So she'd stay plenty warm and I'd start sweating, you know, and we covered a lot of miles that way. Totally. And I mean, from what I've seen with our own baby, like they just are so enthralled when they're outside like he is so content when we're out there so chill even if he's hungry he doesn't cry because he's just so content out in the fresh air mm-hmm. it's yes. true it's so yeah. good yeah last week when we were at, at arches we had this campsite it was up at the what's the campground called the devil's playground no Anyway, Something. there's a really cool campground at Arches National Park. It's the only one Devil's there. Devil's Garden. And uh, it's it's up on up on a hill, and you can see out. And there's a there's like red sand basically all over the place because it's all sandstone out there. And yeah. the kids get out with their trucks and their shovels and play for hours, you know, in the sand, you know, like making roads and everything. And um, it's just it's, it's we I, we love to see them finding creative play outdoors, you know, and not needing to be entertained by screens. Screen. Yeah. Even though we, we love making film we we don't subscribe to a whole lot of watching. Yeah. How do you think the filmmaking has affected your kids? I mean, do they realize that they're on film and that it's being turned into a movie that other people watch? I think they they know and they've seen I mean they've actually helped I mean when we watch kind of to do final edits they get to have input we we appreciate I mean Dakota Dakota will say I don't want that in there mama or dada and we'll take it out because we want to honor and respect because they are in it and this is their life Um, I don't think they'll fully understand what it means until they're older you know and we hope that they love that they have these amazing memoirs of their lives and their childhoods. Um, It's something that we're, you know, we're careful about, I think, just in terms of social media and um, other things. Like, I want to make sure that we're continually checking in with them about their just level of comfortability about being on film and being on Facebook on a photo or whatever and if they ever feel uncomfortable about it and you know we obviously have boundaries with that but if they start to feel like I don't want my life out there like that we're going to respect that absolutely you know we're I think we've learned that vulnerability begets vulnerability you know and for us to be take the first step and be vulnerable about our story uh, it's led other people to connect and kind of look in and be vulnerable as well and so that's that's our hope with these films and just having some you know life-giving uh media to consume instead of all the just dark and horrible things that are out there so that's what we're hoping to offer people but um yeah we want to protect our children as well and make sure that they feel safe and secure so we'll continue to 
to talk to them about it. But Dakota wanted to be this time. He wanted to be interviewed and he shares some about him and grandpa and he's in the film and he, he loves, you know, that, that part of it. And so. And at the same time, there's some days when Dakota and or Kelly um, will say, you know yeah, what? Enough no, camera. No cameras. <laughs> Let's put that away. Yeah. You know, or I'll say, Dakota, can you stand right here and do such and such? It's a really cool shot. Nope, I don't want to. Okay, well, I guess I yeah, guess we're we, not doing that. You know, so we don't push. We're not those parents that push. I know that there's you know there's different philosophies on that, and you know if if you don't raise the bar and push your kids more, they won't know what they can achieve. And you know there's some truth to that, but there's also um, there's also the truth to the fact that no means no, and that we want our kids to know that their no means something, and that if someone is ever pushing them or doing something to them that's not appropriate and they say no we we expect that um they trust that that means something and so we really want to honor our kids uh, needs and and wishes in this way so but i know that dakota i mean the parts that he is in 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 both films and the feedback we've gotten already from our we have a little film review team that watched the second film and gave us feedback and they love, I mean, people love seeing Dakota and just his heart and his, he's an amazing little eight-year-old. He's a phenomenal uh, human being and him sharing is a blessing to people. So it's, it's really fun to see him and his life, even at his young age, really impact and bless others. So that's mm-hmm. really neat. Totally. And I think, yeah, like you guys said, that's super um, powerful that you give him the choice of you involve them in the film editing and everything. I think that's super, super awesome and shows a really high respect for your own children in that aspect. Cause I think a lot of people can get into this industry and like just totally blow that out of, out of proportion. So that's really awesome. You guys. Yeah. I think for us, you know, the whole foundation of the first trip was to, to save our family and to save our marriage. And so I think that's the mentality we go into all of this filming with is if this isn't benefiting the health and well-being of us as individuals and as a family, it's not worth it. You know, there's nothing that's worth that's worth us and our family crumbling, you know, and being in an unhealthy place. So if that's the fruit of it long term, then we'll stop, you know, we'll stop doing films and do something else but for now I feel like the fruit of it has been it's you know not only really fun for Eli and I to be able to have the passion projects to work on together but to involve our kids and those in our you know our friends as we interview folks and just to be able to offer hope and inspiration to the world so that's kind of where we're landing right now (laughs) yes Awesome. Okay. And so people can look you up on the far green country. Is there any other ways people can look you up or get in touch with you? Yeah. So the website has links to like, I mean, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. I think we're on, we're on Twitter too. Um, so we're on all those. I try to, it's like that catch 22. I don't like to be on social media very much because I'd rather be out hiking or something, but it's part of the way we connect with people. So we are, we are updating those, uh, as often as we can. And then we have a website, thefargreencountry.com. Um, if you want to watch the first film and certainly the second when it comes out, we're on, I think the Amazon Prime is the main 
platform to find us, but we're also on iTunes. iTunes. There's all those Roku and Vulu and Duvu and, and all those other ones that if you, you just know, Google the Google far it, country, it'll pop you'll up find somewhere. Some ways to find us. Yeah, but <laughs> connecting, you know, messaging us on on social media is a good way to connect. Um, and you can email us on there too, I think. So. Yep, and you can sign up for our newsletter. To yeah, get we have updates. a newsletter on our website if you want to get like more kind of personal updates of our journey and what we're doing. You can sign up for that on our website. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing so much and coming on the podcast today, you guys. You're welcome. Yes, thank you and bless you and your little guy and hubby and yeah, keep in touch. Yes, yes, thank you. Let us know if you ever end up in Minnesota in that RV of yours. Okay. Oh my gosh, we Great. will. We I want to take yeah, I love northern Minnesota. I love <laughs> Minnesota. So yeah, we'll come up there at some point. Yeah, hit us up. Okay. Good. Okay. Well, thanks so much. We've loved doing this podcasting journey. We love bringing awesome guests on. We love seeing that people are listening. And we're really, really grateful that this is hopefully inspiring other people to get outdoors. Yeah, and as part of our mission at Hiking Through Life, we really want to help support others in continuing their journey or starting their journey into the outdoors. So as part of that, we have plans for future episodes to address some listener feedback. So if you have questions about backpacking, hiking, adventuring outdoors, let us know. Email hikingthroughlife at gmail.com and submit us your question or topic and we'll possibly address it in a future episode. You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.